Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, joined by my partner in crime, Harley Schultz. Harley, we made it through wildcard weekend. At least I think we did. Oh, not just wildcard weekend, super wildcard weekend. Oh, yeah, it was super. Anytime there's football, it's super, right? Yeah, well, does that make this one super divisional weekend? Sure, why not? Every weekend, super, well, until you get super, to the super, super conference Bowl. championship. Yes. <laughs> And the Super Pro Bowl. Oh, think about it. We could have uh, players on the field in super, uh, Superman costumes. Right? <laughs> that's the one week that you can put on in front of Super and the un-Super Pro Bowl. How's that? It's what would be interesting is what if instead of the Pro Bowl, we actually had each team, uh, I'm sorry, each conference put together their all-pro roster and have them play like a, a quarter of football. You know, I used to love the Pro Bowl as a kid. And I think there's still some merit to the Pro Bowl because it gives fans a chance to do stuff. But the game itself, the way it's played and with injuries and money and all that kind of stuff, just come up with some kind of skills competition. And I get that it's I get that it's, you know, in Hawaii, they tried going outside of Hawaii. Back in Hawaii now, right? Yeah. And that's good for the players. But you know what? They've got enough money. They can go to Hawaii whenever they want. Do something to reward say the loser of the Super Bowl the previous year. Well, you think about that. I mean, certain leagues have tried stuff like this. Uh, I, I think the NBA, with their taking the NBA All Star Game and turning it into a matchup of uh, no defense versus no defense, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and hockey. I mean, why even bother putting a goaltender in for the for the NHL game? I mean, he doesn't do anything but sit there. He doesn't stop any of the puck. He doesn't even like attempt to stop any of the pucks. Right. Uh, MLB, at least. I mean, they make it somewhat competitive. And for a while there, they had it affect the World Series. I, I don't believe they're doing that anymore, but yeah, I'm not sure if at least are. there was something to watch it for. Yeah, I didn't like that part of it. And I'm a purist when it comes to baseball, and that was the sport I played as a kid, and that's the one I probably liked the most as a kid, transition to football at some point. But I don't know, just, you know what? If you're going to play the game the way that they play it for the Pro Bowl, it's better not playing it. That's why I said do some sort of skills competition, have it be more immersive experience for the you know the fans and stuff like that and and maybe it's not the runner up in the Super Bowl maybe it's you take it you know conference by conference or something like division by division something like that. Well, we we got to do something otherwise we end up with situations like uh, Pro Bowl quarterback three Teddy Bridgewater in the season where he throws for twenty nine hundred yards and twenty one touchdowns. Well, it, honestly, how far are we from having Ian Book play in the Super? playing the Pro Bowl. Well, now that could be fun. Just take the worst players from every team and force them to face off and see who actually wins it. If any of them does. Right. We could have the Mannings do their Manning cast over it. It'd be awesome. I can't hear shit. What'd you say? I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to. I had to. <laughs> all right. All right. That's good enough. I don't want to I don't want to infringe on anything that may make it into this week's news. So I'm just going to throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitz Podcast News. 
Thank you, Steve. Derrick Henry has officially been cleared for contact in practice leading into this weekend's divisional round matchup against Cincinnati. I feel most people are assuming that Henry will be on a snap count this week. Uh, of course, it shouldn't really matter because Henry at 70% is still better than all of the starting backs remaining in the playoffs. <laughs> the Vikings interviewed multiple GM candidates from the Philadelphia Eagles organization this week. All I can say is that I hope the first question asked was, what in the hell did you see in Jalen Rieger to take him over Justin Jefferson? <laughs> the Raiders released GM Mike Mayock on Monday. Apparently, Mayock is to blame for John Gruden's insensitive emails while with a different franchise. And maybe he's to blame for Henry Ruggs getting drunk and getting behind the wheel of a motor vehicle. And Mayock's obviously to blame for drafting a brain-dead idiot like Damon Arnett, who likes to go around shooting videos of himself shooting people with guns. And he might be to blame for drafting something called Claylin Farrell as the fourth overall pick in 2019. Okay, well, maybe he is to blame for some of those things. <laughs> the Rams brought Eric Weddle out of retirement to play for them this past Monday. Next week, the Rams will be bringing back Marshall Falk to play running back, and they'll be bringing back Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce to serve as their wide receiver three and wide receiver four. <laughs> and finally, Buda Baker has been released from the hospital following his scary concussion suffered Monday night versus the Rams. The BPN news team can neither confirm nor deny if Buda reached Nirvana while unconscious. This has been your BPN news update. And you don't like karma, do you? Instant karma going to get you, right? Yeah, man. That was scary. Um, that was really scary. <laughs> and I saw some comments where people, you know, the worst kind of fans are fans that are just blind to their own team. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. And we all have that, maybe that, that type of gene in us. But come on. Don't you? I mean, I saw him sitting there saying, well, he hit his shoulder. It wasn't a head to head. Like, okay, look, it was not a penalizable. That's a word I just made up, right? Um, exactly penalty because the running back dipped his head they weren't in you know in the tackle box type thing or whatever else that rule entails but he they hit heads the helmets hit it wasn't shoulder to helmet it was helmet to helmet and yeah cam should have been flagged for taunting when he walked over him but then you know in all fairness he saw what happened realized it and you could tell that he felt bad and concerned for him so in any event oh, uh, steve, steve just this just in we, we have a breaking news bit oh boy uh, apparently, the referees from Saturday's game have just now heard the sound of the horn, and they're going to take away the touchdown. <laughs> okay. We're not going to get into that. Um, hey, if there's one thing I learned, though, and maybe you have some background in this, depending on which angle you're looking at, audio is going to sound different, and you'll hear it at different times from the delays. Exactly. And again, it is really all about delays. And again, you, can, you can't, they always say, well, when you're trying to figure out spot of the ball or something like that, they can try to piece various camera angles together. But even, I mean, you'd have to literally go frame to frame. And with the technology that's out there these days in terms of digital cameras, we're, we're talking hundreds of frames per second. Yeah. This is very, very, it's impossible to envision being able to perfectly 
sync everything up. And again, then you're talking about a separate track when you're talking about audio. Yeah. So, because I initially, you know, I heard the thing and I was like, okay. It, I don't, I just, what bothered me with it was the announcers immediately trying to say the whistle impacted the play. I understand based on rule, the play should have been replayed. No disputing that, right? But I can still look at it with my eyes and go, it didn't impact the DB. He didn't give up. And, and I was like, so then I look at the replay. I was watching on the app, so I couldn't rewind it. So then I get to the TV, I can't go back far enough. So I got to just see the replay that they, they played. And I, I copy it with my phone and in slow motion. And you can hear where the whistle starts almost immediately, like right before the ball is hitting the receiver's fingers. And then I see someone. Well, no, I personally. Oh, go, go ahead. Sorry. Listen, then I have somebody that says, no, you need to watch the original um, play. It's sooner than that. And I was like, what do you mean it's sooner than that? And then somebody said something about audio delay. Look, if that's the case, then fine. Um, I then captured the same video from the original from a different angle. And the ball and the whistle happen right around the beginning of the A in Bengals in the end zone. So it is a huge disparity in distance from where you hear it in one replay versus the other. But I still say it did not impact the play of the game. Yes, it should have been replayed, but it didn't impact the play of the game. And I just felt like the, the announcers were doing a poor job and a disservice by making it sound like the defender just gave up when I don't think that was the case. Well, and I, I think that uh, uh, it'd be interesting to read back through the rules and see exactly how and why this ultimately came into play. Because uh, knowing that this is the rule now, and I, I mean, I guess I've always known that this was a rule, you know, told to play through the whistle. Right. But what's stopping a person in attendance or a sideline person or anyone from blowing a whistle loudly if they see that their team is about to give up a huge play? Yeah, I don't know how it gets officiated if it's not an official sounding the whistle, that type of inadvertent yeah. whistle. But you're right, because when I heard it, I didn't know if it came from an official or if it came from the sidelines or the crowd or where it came from, honestly. And again, I mean, that's something that has to be discussed going forward in this situation. Now, obviously, the big output, the big outcome from this is that that particular uh, officiating crew is not going to be working any other games this season. <laughs> yeah, that's not Maybe sure. they should penalize them and they have to work the Pro Bowl. Yeah, there you go. That's a good idea. You, your, your job depends on working the Pro Bowl. Um, that's why you got to take it out of Hawaii, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then, so real quick, let's touch on the Cowboys before we get into our DFS that we're going to do this week. Um, the, I saw a meme. It, I just about lost it. It, I, it was... Dak's face on Forrest Gump when he was just running. <laughs> um, I didn't like. I was shocked when I saw the play happen, and then there's eight seconds on the clock, and you're like, "My God, is he going to get this off and only have a 25 yard?" You know, and he didn't get it off in time. And there's Cowboy fans that are losing their mind because the ref wasn't close enough, didn't run fast enough, blah blah blah, whatever, right? Yeah. Dak didn't get the ball to the ref right. It was look, their execution was poor on it. You can mm -hmm. debate whether or not you thought it was a good idea. But I got a question for you. You used to officiate games, right? Yes. If you're the line judge, you're the guy that calls offsides or, or neutral zone infractions, correct? Yes. Are you concerned or watching the clock 
the game clock when you're doing that? Uh, realistically, you shouldn't be, no. Okay. So if you're the line judge, you're watching the line as they're trying to get up there and spike it, right? You're making sure mm -hmm. everybody's lined up properly, there's nobody moving, all that kind of stuff. Yes. And if it's bang, bang like it was from one second to zero seconds, if there was, a, if there was somebody offside or somebody moved like a false start, you would have thrown a flag immediately not knowing that the clock had hit zeros, correct? That's correct. Okay. So I had some, I had some, some Twitter users try to tell me that it didn't matter because the clock hit zero. Because if you go back and watch it, and I posted some, some still images of it, CeeDee Lamb lined up all sides on that spike. Well, then that should have been called a foul either way, yes. And that flag never made its way to the field. Now, imagine, I'm sure that the NFL went and they looked at it, right? Because they can do mm -hmm. that. And they saw there was zero time, so that's why they called it. But what if there was one second? The flag would not have happened nope. against, against them, and it should have. And that would have also ended the game because it would have been a 10-second runoff. Now, I think the only reason that Dallas fans are particularly up in arms about the situation was that this wasn't the first time in the game where the uh, referee was slow to position the ball for a particular snap play. And I, I think we all remember the previous time situation leading to basically utter buffoonery. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not even sure that I like that refs have to go a different speed at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. um, you watch when they spot the ball. The ball should have been spotted about a whole yard, maybe two yards back from where they started to spot it. Granted, he did move it back some. Um, the whole offensive line may have been offsides, but CeeDee Lamb definitely was. Um, I think that, you know what, under the parameters of the game, I don't know that you should expect them to run. Like, you've got time. You know, it, it, it's just you open yourself up to what if he tripped and fall, fell, right? Um, yep. What if he happened to get, you know, held up because one of the defensive players was trying to get back to the line and they wound up running into each other? You know what I mean? Like, there's just, I don't know. I and you watch when they spot at the end of games because they're trying to do it quickly, and the spots are usually pretty far off sometimes. I just don't like it, honestly. So that's just me. Well, you, you, you know for a fact that we've seen in some situations where defensive players will purposely lay on people, yeah. uh, stay on top of someone yep. or stay down on the ground a little extra longer as, as time is ticking away. And, again, there's really – I mean, they have the full – time allotment to get that but they're not going to be called for delay of game in that situation a lot of times when in fact they, they ultimately are affecting things in much the same way yeah and they could be flagged for it they've so it's very you know you gotta be crafty if you're doing that kind of stuff exactly but we both have seen blatant oh yeah opportunist versions of that on oh, again not for one team in particular but just in general and you see the players the defensive players that want to slow a game down or something's going on they, they fake an injury right to to keep from getting mm -hmm. caught and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, that's the gamesmanship part of it. Not that I'm a huge fan of that kind of stuff, but I don't know. Just if you're going to put yourself in a position where you're going to run 25 yards and then expect the guy that's, what, 40, 50 years old, maybe 60 sometimes, mm -hmm. to catch up, to spot the ball so you have time to clock it, maybe you should have thought about the risk involved with running that play. Well, and from a TV production standpoint, too, uh, fans – who may or may not know the inner workings of production, the clock that is on the TV screen may or may not be the same clock that is at the stadium. A lot of times they'll have a feed directly to 
the uh, bug is what they call the, the graphic at the bottom of the page or or to or to the uh, ticker across the bottom of the page that will actually have the physical clock from there. But that isn't always the case. Sometimes they have a separate uh, right. clock that's being run simultaneously with it. And again, so when you see a like the play clock ticking down, and sometimes you'll see the person snap it after it's at zeros, that's what we're seeing on the TV screen. That may not be exactly in tune with what they're seeing in the stadium. Right. Yep. Very true. All right. Well, you know what we can get in tune to? We can get in tune to this week's DFS. How's that? We're down to four teams, so the pickings are going to be a little bit slimmer. Yeah, the pickings are ugly. How'd you do last week? You, uh, you know, I, I did. I, I pretty much broke even. It was a pretty good week. I started off really hot. I did well on Saturday, not as well on Sunday. Um, I did not buy into the Josh Allen hype. Uh, I, I just didn't trust him, and I didn't go with him. But I had enough Patrick Mahomes on Sunday to kind of make up some of that. But oh, so still, I mean, it, it was it was all about uh, choosing the right players. And players like Joe Mixon kind of stunk it up for us in, in big spots. That that didn't help a whole lot. So I know that you went with a massive tight end lineup, but you didn't start Travis Kelsey as a, as a quarterback, right? I did not, although he would have outperformed a couple of the quarterbacks on this past weekend. <laughs> Probably Kyler, that's for sure. Definitely Kyler. Okay. Definitely Mac Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Roethlisberger probably had uh, enough yardage to make his total points a little bit higher. but He saved himself on the last two drives. Yeah. He was, it was ugly prior to that. Trust me, it was. Um, all right. Let's set the over-under this week. What's going to be at? i go with seven. Oh, man. That's tough. Seven out of 12. Fewer players to choose from, so it's a much higher likelihood of matches. It is, but I'm going to take the under. Okay. Watch us get like 10. <laughs> All right, good. Start us off. Tell us who you're going to pay up for at the quarterback spot. Well, I, I could make up for last week's error and choose Josh Allen because he is the top-priced quarterback. But when you're looking at these two teams, you've got two very good quarterbacks in this game, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. They both have extremely good offenses. And they're both featuring teams that are actually pretty good against the pass. So you could say, well, well, one, one of two things is going to happen. Either both of the defenses step it up, and we have like a 24-17 to 17 game, or neither of the defenses show up, and we have a 52-49 to 49 game. That's what I'm predicting here. And when that happens, I'm, I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes because I think he's, I mean, he's a little bit cheaper. And I think he's a little more reliable. Plus, he's the home quarterback. So, 7,300 on DraftKings, 8,500 on FanDuel. My payup is going to be in Mahomes. And what I think is going to be a shootout despite their defenses. I think it's going to be somewhere in between, believe it or not. That low scoring. I know that's, that's a cop out and a half, right? Um, <laughs> but I think it's going to be more 35 to 31-ish, something like that. I think we'll see 60, 65 points scored. Um, but that said... Um, I'm paying up for Josh. He's the highest guy on the board. Um, he's coming off a fantastic week. So I think that because of that, and it is on the road, you know, I don't usually like road quarterbacks. Um, I think we could see his ownership suppressed a little bit, but listen, from week 10 to 17, that's eight weeks. Kansas city was ninth in points allowed to the quarterback position. And we already know that he can add stuff with his feet. So I'm going to pay up for Josh this week. I I think you, you make no mistake going with either of them there. Okay. So, who are you staying away from? I'm going to stay away from uh, Tampa 12. 
Tom Brady, 6,800 on DraftKings, 7,800 on FanDuel. Uh, I'm fairly certain that Jalen Ramsey will shadow Mike Evans. I mean, what else is he going to do? Uh, when Mike Evans is shadowed by Jalen Ramsey, well, no, what's that going to leave Tom Brady to throw the ball to, I guess, Gronk? That's about it. Uh, Brady, it's also possible that he'll be without his all-pro tackle, Tristan Wirfs, who was last seen walking out of the stadium in a walking boot. And there were two other offensive linemen that suffered injuries this past week for them. And now they're going to face Von Miller and Aaron Donald. Yeah. So the first name I wrote down, believe it or not, was Patrick Mahomes. Because Buffalo ranks 30th over that same span of time that I said Josh is facing the ninth-ranked KC defense for quarterback points allowed. Buffalo ranks 30th in quarterback points allowed. But because I do expect it to be in that 60-point range, I couldn't say stay away from Pat Mahomes. Um, I would land it on TB12 myself. Um, the Rams are 27th in points allowed to the quarterback position at that specific time. And you do only have Mike Evans to worry about on the outside. And then that extra pressure, it may be Gronk eats, maybe he doesn't. We'll talk about him a little later. Um, but yeah, I'm not real thrilled with what I think we're going to get from Tom this week. Yeah, again, I, it's just, it's capped ceiling for Tom Brady this week. Yep. Who is your value play? Oh, I could have went a couple different ways on this year. I, I like a couple of people as value plays. Yeah. But I figured the, the safest one was choosing uh, Joe Burrow at 6600 on DraftKings, 7700 on FanDuel. I know those prices don't sound like values per se, but he is the fifth highest priced guy on DraftKings and the fifth highest priced guy on FanDuel. So he he's more than halfway down the list of starters. Tennessee is among the worst teams in the league in regard to passing yards, allowed the quarterbacks, and Joe Burrow has been absolutely white hot of late. He has 10 passing touchdowns over his last three starts. So we, I don't disagree with that. I don't think that's a horrible pick. I, I went a little cheaper. Um, I used the same eight-week time frame from week 10 to 17. And Tampa Bay is 14th in points allowed to the quarterback position. If you're going to score and make things happen, it's going to be with the passing game, not the running game, I don't mm -hmm. think. So I went with Matt Stafford as my value play. He, he was a little pedestrian this past weekend, um, but I think we see an uptick in his passing stats this week. So you're going with Stafford? Going with Stafford. Okay. Let's head on over to the running back spot. We're going to run over to the running back spot. We're going to roll over to the running back spot. How's that? <laughs> Oh, the running back spot is not looking good this week. No, it's not. <laughs> it's it's really ugly. I, I was not kidding about Derrick Henry being better than every other running back on this list, even at half percentage this week. I mean, uh, I, you can't start him at those prices, unfortunately, because you don't know how much running he's going to actually get. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not paying up for him. I'm not, I'm not going to make him my stay away, though, either, because I, I don't think that's really fair. Uh, despite the fact that the price tag is, is just astronomically high on FanDuel, the DraftKings price isn't too bad. But, again, it's that there's so many good plays at wide receiver that I want to spend up at wide receiver. But the issue with the running back position is that every single one of these guys is in a split backfield, it seems like. It's, it's, it's ugly. It's awful. It, it's just it's, it's non-conducive to DFS play. I'm going to pay up for one of the sure things, and that's Eli Mitchell. Uh, Green Bay's numbers are solid against the run, but that's only because most teams 
are forced to abandon the run when they face Green Bay. Now, San Francisco, they could care less. They're going to run the ball even if they're down 21. That should mean lots of opportunities for Eli Mitchell. And I think he's going to have a pretty good game as long as Debo Samuel doesn't vulture all of his touchdown opportunities. So what if I told you that I wanted to put Debo Samuel as my running back that I was paying up for? <laughs> um. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that play. If we, could, if we legally could, I would not be afraid of doing that. But because of that, we do match. I have Eli Mitchell, who I actually considered as my value play. Um, and look, 5,800 price is, is not bad. De- look, Derrick Henry's coming back. It's an unknown. The, the Bengals aren't the best matchup for a running back, honestly. If you look at that same eight-week period, 10 to 17, they rank 28th in points allowed to the running back spot. That said, I actually still think that Henry's going to have a very good weekend. It's just risky. Very risky. Exactly. Cincinnati is very weak against the run. Well, they, they haven't put up, they haven't allowed many points to the running back spot. But look, if they're bringing him back, they're bringing him back to use him. They're not bringing him back to just rest him. Now, let's say they have a big lead by the end of the third quarter. Then you might not see him play much in the fourth, like normally. Okay. Who are you staying away from? I am staying away from Devin Singletary this week. Interesting. Yeah, when you tell, look, tell me why on this one. So when you look at it, um, Devin Singletary is facing off against Kansas City, and the Chiefs. Let me make sure I've got my numbers right here. Hold on a second. Bear with me. I might have looked at this wrong. That's a very good chance I did that. Because if I don't reset a filter, yeah, I looked at it wrong. Bum on me, man. <laughs> Some reason I had it filtered down instead of up. So I looked at it and thought that Kansas City ranked near the bottom 10 in points allowed to fantasy running backs. And guess what? They're not. They're, they're top 12 against the running back for, for points allowed. So go ahead and give a name. We're not going to match. I'll pick somebody else as a stay away. How's that? Well, uh, just the brief thing on Singletary there. Obviously, he's become more of a featured back there for Buffalo. We, we already have both agreed it's going to be a higher scoring game. Now, they probably won't run the ball a ton with Singletary, but he's capable of catching the ball. And Kansas City has been brutal against pass-catching running backs this year. Absolutely brutal. Uh, I think they're fifth worst in pass yardage allowed to opposing running backs. So, yeah, he, he's not my stay away. I don't mind him. I, I kind of debated with, between him and Eli for my pay-up player. My stay away is going to be Joe Mixon. Uh, Tennessee has allowed the fourth fewest total running back scores this year and the second fewest running back rushing yards. Plus, you know, Mixon had that dud last week in what was should have been a really easy game for him. So I'm a little once bitten, twice shy with Mixon this week. So for what it's worth, I got my numbers sorted properly now. And honestly, I was looking at Mixon or Aaron Jones. Um, I can make a case for staying away from Aaron Jones against the Niners team that over those that eight-week stretch is 25th in points allowed to the running back spot. But Mixon is facing a Tennessee defense that is absolutely dead last. 32nd in points allowed to the running back position weeks 10 through 17. Not a good thing. No. uh, If they're going to make hay, I think that that Cincinnati's got to throw the ball and throw it well. Exactly, which is why I have Joe Burrow as my value play quarterback. There you go. Uh, My value play at running back this week, I could have went a lot of ways. Again, we looked at this, and there's so many teams playing split backfields right now, and we really don't know what the – the split will be uh, one player to consider. This is not the guy I settled on. 
the player to seriously consider is Dontrell Hilliard. Uh, Hilliard is basically going to fill the pass-catching role for Tennessee the rest of the way, uh, based on the assumption that Derrick Henry is not going to be an every-down back right away out of the shoot. It, it's, it's going to be Hilliard and not Deonta Foreman that's going to be on the field in pass-catching situations. And if this game turns into a shootout between Cincinnati and Tennessee, as I think it might, that means we probably will see more Hilliard than Henry. And if whatever reason Henry is severely limited or doesn't suit up for this game, we're going to see a lot more of Hilliard than we will of Foreman. So he's a guy to consider as your value play. But ultimately, I settled on Jarek Jet McKinnon. Uh, Buffalo has been easier to run against and to throw against recently. Uh, as of right now, we don't know who's going to start at running back for KC. Clyde Edwards-Alaire might be back. Darrell Williams might be back. But I'd make the argument that based on his play the last couple of weeks, that McKinnon has earned the right to be the starter here, at least uh, based on that play. So we do have a match there. I don't know how you feel about the match on Mixon for our stay away. That can be a half a match or a no match, whatever you want to decide at the end. I think that's a match. Okay. Um, you know, McKinnon is also my value play. I don't like the fact that we don't know about CEH, don't know Daryl Williams, all that stuff. But I agree, he's looked good. And on top of that, weeks 10 through 17, the Bills have given up the fifth most points to the running back spot. So, yeah, I think at that price, and if you didn't want to use him, like you're looking at value plays that aren't much less than what we used for Eli Mitchell as a payup, like if you really wanted to go Cam Akers or something like that. So, Or, I mean, taking a shot on A.J. Dillon or uh... – yeah. I got like Giovanni Bernard again. If we if we have more players out for Tampa, yep, Keyshawn Vaughn. But I don't. None of those do I feel good about. I I feel good that McKinnon has earned touches no matter what. Exactly. All right. Okay, so let's head on over to the wide receiver position. This one here is obviously the deepest pool of players to choose from. Yep, and. I love pretty much all of the high-priced wide receivers this week. That's why I said I could very easily see myself uh, taking three high-priced wide receivers yep. and paying down at running back. But when I looked at the matchups a little bit closer, uh, the one that jumped out at me is the one that I want the most exposure to is Jamar Chase. Uh, Tennessee is the second-worst team in terms of both wide receiver receptions and wide receiver receiving yards. They rank fourth-worst in terms of wide receiver touchdowns allowed, and they have really sucked against alpha outside wide receivers like Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And so I think that Joe Burrow is going to throw a lot of passes to those guys this week. Unlike last week, where I said that we would be in a situation where uh, Burrow would be throwing the ball inside to Tyler Boyd and C.J. Ozoma. And obviously, they both scored. They both look pretty good. Uh, this week, it's going to be the opposite. We're going to see the Jamar Chase and T. Higgins show. From Cincinnati. So I don't dislike that one at all. I really don't. Um, and I do think that for the Bengals to put something up in this game, they're going to have to run it through Chase, quite honestly. So I'm not going to dislike that. But I hinted at this guy earlier um, that I wanted to have him as my starting running back. Uh, mm -hmm. Just the way that they're using him right now, just enough in the passing game, enough in the running game. I'm going to go with Debo Samuel, but I'm with you. Like There's a handful of higher price guys I'll absolutely pay up for to pay down a quarterback and running back to get him in my lineup. Well, here's what I got to say about Debo Samuel. It sounds like Green Bay is going to try to activate 
Jair Alexander for this game. Jair Alexander is coming off of a fairly severe shoulder injury. Now, they're going to actually have Jair Alexander try to tackle Debo Samuel and George Kittle coming off a major shoulder injury. Uh, that's not going to end well for Green Bay. <laughs> right. Not at all. If, okay. if I was Alexander, I'd be waving the white flag like, please don't hit me, please don't hit me. Yeah, exactly. And now, honestly, this is more of a my gut says versus the number says. I even looked at Cooper Cup, and I'm like, it, like, how do you say no to Cooper Cup? But that's just, I mean, when you can put somebody in a lineup that's 1000 to $1,500 cheaper as your payup, I think you should. Yeah, and it, it's a situation where you can make an argument for starting all three of them. Yes. I mean, I, I like Tyree Kill at his price, too. I like Stephon Diggs, again, the we already talked about the fact that both those teams have a decent wide receiver coverage defense, but we're talking about two stud wide receivers in a game with huge implied points. I like A.J. Brown. Uh, I actually thought about making A.J. Brown my value play. I didn't because I, I felt like I was cheating a little bit. Uh, but again, that game, if, if it's going to be scored points, it's going to be scored points through the air. T. Higgins, same thing, cheaper price. I, I could have gone with him instead of Chase. Uh, but, no, I ultimately sold on Chase. You're spending up at wide receiver this week. Spend down everywhere else if possible. Yeah, I even looked at Stephon Diggs, you know, stacking him with Josh Allen, but um, just went the other round, went the other way. So to stay away, you mentioned a guy that you like his price, and his price actually almost made me not write him down initially because his price is really suppressed, shockingly. Um, and it is Tyreek Hill at 6600 and 8200 I was shocked by the pricing. And – when you look at the numbers, that told me that I needed to stay away from it. But then when I look at where I think and how I think the game's actually going to play out, this is one of those things where I'm not going to let the numbers dictate it to me. So I crossed him off. And instead, I went to a guy that I think is going to get a huge dose of Jalen Ramsey and come back down to earth after, not, I think it was a nine-catch game last week. And that's Mike Evans. Steering clear of Mike Evans this week. Tom Brady, Mike cool. Evans, stack for stay away. We have a match there. Evans is going to get the full Ramsey. Uh, and if you're a wide receiver, you never want to get the full Ramsey. Uh, Evans has been effective against Los Angeles in the past. Of course, in the past, he's also been surrounded by guys like Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin to draw away some of that coverage. You know, if I'm Sean McVay, I'm not really shaking in my boots when looking at the wide receiver room behind Mike Evans right now. So no. I'm like, yes, Gronk is going to get his, but you're going to put – Ramsey, basically, uh, and maybe even like so, have him double with Weddle on Evans, and uh, Evans will be lucky to get like six and sixty this week. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would, I think that he might be lucky for four fifty and one. How's that? I I would again if if I was a Evans owner in a playoff league, I'd be happy with that. Yep. But I'm not going to pay the fifth highest price on DraftKings and the fourth highest price on FanDuel to. Put him in my DFS lineup in that matchup. I agree. So at your value play, let's tell, talk about what you're going to do there. <clears throat> well, so you'd mentioned possibly stacking Stefan Diggs with Josh Allen. Yes, sir. No, I love the idea of running it back again. I think that this game is going to have an implied total of going to be somewhere in the 70 to 80 range. So I want access to players in this game. And there's two guys in roughly the same price point range. So if we match on either of these two, I'll be happy well, uh, we're we're going to match on one of them, I think. I think we're going to match, quite honestly, because I'm shocked that you're even here. We, I don't know <laughs> that we've ever matched on value play at wide receiver all season. 
Maybe we have. I don't recall it. So go ahead. So I have two guys I'm thinking about running it back with. Now, again, if I'm starting Josh Allen at quarterback, I'm going to put Josh Allen with Stephon Diggs, and then I'm going to run it back with a KC receiver. And if I'm starting Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to put Jamar Chase as my what? I'm sorry, I'm going to put uh, not Jamar Chase. If I'm starting Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to put Tyreek Hill at my wide receiver, and I'm going to run it back with a cheaper Buffalo receiver. Now, the guys that I've got my eye on are Gabriel Davis and Byron Pringle, both of whom have been really, really doing well lately. I, I ultimately sold on Davis as my choice because I'm probably going to use Mahomes over Allen more frequently. And in five of his, I'm sorry, he has five TDs in his last six games. Uh, plus, being Gabe Davis, he's not Emmanuel Sanders. He's not Stephon Diggs. He's not Cole Beasley. That means he's not going to face the top cornerbacks for KC. Well, we didn't match. I really thought we had a match here because I went one deeper. I wanted to go as cheap as I could to still possibly get some. You went with Emmanuel Sanders. No, I did not. I did not. You went with uh, Isaiah McKenzie. I went with Isaiah McKenzie. Yes, I did. <laughs> I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Uh, I just I, I don't know how how much he's going to be involved in the offense this week with Emmanuel fully back to health. Well, is Emmanuel ever fully back to health? That's the question too, right? I mean, that's true. That is true. Um, and, and at thirty five hundred bucks, that's what I liked about it, right? Um, I would not. I thought you were going to say Cole Beasley, honestly. Um, or I'm kind of frustrated with Beasley. I, I, I I'm yeah. a huge Beasley stan, and not per se for his political reasons, but because he's always been a huge PPR uh, beast. He's he's been PPR beastly yep. for me in the past past seasons and his price is super cheap right now but he's kind of become a bit of a forgotten man as Gabe Davis has emerged uh, as the wide receiver two option there at least while Emmanuel Sanders was out yeah so for me it came down to the two of them it was Gabriel Davis or Isaiah McKenzie and at an $1,100 discount I figured I was worth trying to take the cheap so I could get a couple of those higher priced guys in the lineup but again though this is one of those weeks where you may actually consider your value play to be T. Higgins or A.J. Brown. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I don't dislike the Byron Pringle call either. Maybe this is, Ooh, the, it, maybe this is the game where he actually catches all the passes he gets. He got two touchdowns. That one from uh, yeah. uh, Kelsey the other day was pretty good. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. All right, let's head over to your um, tight end whispering self. Oh, let, let's put it this way. I'm not going to do quadruple tight end this week. The tight end position is 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 a stinker this week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's not pretty. Um, when when your top tight end is facing one of the two best defenses against tight ends, and his price is considerably higher than everyone else. Yeah, that's not very promising. Uh, second tight end. I mean, I, I thought about Rob Gronkowski again. I assume that. He's going to be the focal point of the passing offense with Evans shut down. But, again, the price just it, – it, it isn't quite right for that game, I don't think. I, I settled on uh, Dawson Knox at Kansas City. And I'll, I'll say this. I was absolutely wrong about Knox last week. I had no faith in Josh Allen. I had no faith in Dawson Knox. And, and arguably that first touchdown was an absolute fluke. I mean, Allen went out on record and said – he wasn't throwing the ball to Knox. He was throwing the ball away, and Knox just happened to go up and get it. Uh, you know what? Earlier this year, uh, the Buffalo team faced Kansas City. 
Uh, Knox had three catches for 117 yards and a touchdown. That was one of 11 times this season that Knox has scored. And that those touchdowns, they, they weren't all in one game like last week. He, he's had eight different games where he scored at least once. I just have a feeling of the higher-priced guys, he's probably the safest play this week. See, I went a different angle. I Actually, I had Knox written down as a possible stay away. Um, Kansas City from weeks 10 through 17 ranks 27th in points allowed to the tight end position. Um, I, there's no way I was playing paying up for Travis Kelsey. Um, just not happening. Does not have a great matchup whatsoever. Um, but then if you go ahead and take a look at Mr. George Kittle, um, it's like on paper it's not the best matchup in the world. Um, Tampa Bay's kind of right there in the middle, right? Um, Green Bay. Oh, Green Bay, I'm sorry. Green Bay, yeah. Oh, man, this stuff all runs together at this point. We're in week 19, 20. What is it? Um, Green Bay, I'm sorry, is top 10. They're 10th in points allowed to the tight end position. So Kittle hasn't really had one of those massive breakout games. And maybe I'm too invested between Eli Mitchell, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle. But I also look at it this way. I'm looking at Kittle as my, my receiver investment. Debo, I think it's moderate receiving numbers because I don't think they let Jimmy throw the ball a lot, but he supplements it with his running. So I've got a heavy run game with Debo and Mitchell, and I'll, I'll take Kittle for my passing game part of that, of that offense. So let me get this straight. You're starting George Kittle at wide receiver, Debo Samuel at running back, and Eli. Trey Lance at quarterback? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know what? We probably could start Debo at, at quarterback. He may throw a pass or two. <laughs> he had a pretty good pass the other day. Uh, it, it's interesting that you chose to choose him as your payup. He's actually my stay away. Okay. We're just uh, really like you said, Green Bay, yeah, they're middle of the pack against the, the tight end position. They've actually given up eight tight end touchdowns this year. I was a little surprised by that figure. Um, but Kittle? has posted this line, nine catches, 78 yards, zero touchdowns. That's not last week. That's total over the last four weeks. And over the last three weeks, he's averaging as many pancake blocks as receptions. That's not good. You know what That's they, not good. <laughs> you, know what they call, you know what they say that is in baseball? He's due. Time for a benching? He's due. No, he's due. He's he is due. I agree. I know. I, I and again, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier with Jair Alexander trying to come back from a shoulder injury. Green Bay's secondary is pretty good, but I, I I'm waiting for him to Olay trying to tackle one. <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it's going to be funny. Yeah. Well, the under is going to hit for what it's worth. Um, yes. I actually think we have a chance to match on the value play at tight end. Oh, interesting. I could be wrong, but I think so. Um, I had again. I had a hard time with this because. <laughs> I really didn't care for any of the cheaper-priced tight ends this week. Uh, I, I ultimately settled on Anthony Ferkser uh, at home versus Cincinnati. It, it's a small sample, but Ferkser scored in back-to-back -back games for Tennessee. And, and meanwhile, Cincy, well, they've allowed the fourth-most tight end receptions, the fifth-most tight end receiving yards during the regular season, and, and they just gave up a fairly solid game to Darren Waller. So this is really not an exciting play, but if, if you're going to pay 27000 of your salary to the wide receiver position, you got to save money somewhere. So 3100 for Ferkser on DraftKings is a decent play. So we're, we're in the same mindset, but because I want to get those wide receivers in my lineup, I'm going as cheap as I can. 
So that's why I'm going with Jeff Swaim instead. Um, but, yeah, from weeks 10 to 17, the only team that has given up more points in the tight end position than the Cincinnati Bengals is not the Philadelphia Eagles, believe it or not. I know, Indianapolis Colts, right? It was the Baltimore Ravens. But ah. over the last, from weeks, um, let's see, what is it, 17, 17 week 14 through 17, that, that four-week span, no team has given up more points to the tight end position than the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I, I think that, again, yes. neither one of those names is going to excite you, but you're not picking either of those guys to have a huge statistical performance. You're looking at both of them as possible touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, would you be happy if Swain was two for 25 and a touchdown? Exactly. Or if Ferks are four for 30 and a touchdown? Right. Exactly. Um, that, listen, that's use those two guys to round out your lineup so that you know what you have to fit in and, and roll to one if you have the more room and roll to the other if you don't have it and you need the extra 300 bucks. Yeah, again, if you have to settle, I mean, if you, if you go a little higher, I could see an argument for Uzoma again this week. Again, I personally think that's going to be a high-scoring game with most of the passes going to the outside. But Uzoma could be okay. I mean, Tennessee's just milled a pack against tight ends, so. The other one, too, is, you know, with Mike Evans being the only real wide receiver and they're shutting him down, and if you think that Gronk gets a double team, Cameron Brait might not be a bad play at his rate also. You know, I, I, I thought about that, and the only reason I hesitated on that is because they did uh, activate O.J. Howard, and he actually played a few snaps this past week, which yeah. kind of harshed my mellow a little bit on Brait. But, uh, again, with Brait's price, 2700 on DraftKings, <clears throat> that's one touchdown. He's got triple X. Right. And, and quite honestly, even when O.J.'s been healthy and, and active, Brait always does seem to have a role. It's not like he gets relegated. And a lot of it's because he's a good blocker and stuff like that. But Well, because Tom trusts him. Yeah, exactly. And that's big, right? Yes. You know who I trust? Who's that? I trust you. And you know what? Our listeners should hey. trust you. And if they don't or they do, whatever. But at a, at a minimum, they should follow you on Twitter, at Nuclear Harley. They can follow me, at Steve Gallo NFL, to see me post things of, like, you know, CeeDee Lamb being offsides on a spike that didn't count and trying to troll <laughs> Cowboys fans. And, um, you know, of course, sign up for the huddle at thehuddle.com if you haven't done so already. And you know what, Harley? Best of luck in super divisional round playoff week. And until then, get blitz responsibly. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>